Hey, welcome to the Risen Nation Church podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. Our goal and desire here at Risen Nation Church is to prepare a place for God's presence with God's people. If you'd like more information on upcoming events or how to connect with us or even to partner with us, you can visit risennation.org. We do hope you enjoy today's message. I want to talk today about our hearts. Uh, we have... Um, we have been in this season of rearranging. Last week on Sunday, I did some rearranging. I know that I am intense. I know that. I know that we go after it here with no compromise. And I'm just letting you know that's never gonna change. We're never gonna turn the channel. We're never gonna become seeker friendly. We're gonna become a friend of God, which is sometimes very offensive to people, and especially religion, right? So last week, everyone's like, man, you really beat the heck out of us yesterday. Well, I'm trying to get the hell out of you. That's just my goal as a pastor. I mean, what, better, what kind of shepherd would I be if I saw somebody on fire in a building and I said, praying for you, brother? We're here for you, but you're standing outside not willing to go in the fire Maybe get a little intense, maybe burn a little bit yourself, but let's get people out. Like this is, God is redefining love and love is not like this, bless you, and you really don't care about them thing. Like, you know what I'm talking about? That, that like side hug thing, which guys side hug women, I get it. But in my family, we don't side hug each other, right? My family, family. We're violent, we're aggressive with how we love. My dad, I'm 28 years old, my dad still tries with his strength to kiss me on the mouth. My father, I have a beard, he's got a mustache. It's very strange, Americans don't understand it. He's from the Middle East. He would scream at me when I was in high school. You remember this, Kossi? We would, we would be like at, in, at football practice with all of our like, you know, guys and we're trying to be cool and he's screaming at us out the window, you know, you don't kiss me on the lips anymore. <coughs> For those of you that know my dad, that just makes sense. That, it just makes sense. Kevin knows, yeah. So it just, he's just, he doesn't care, you know, but we don't love softly. Like I had a, I have an infant and I already want to like squeeze him, but not hurt him because he's so small. He was six pounds, six ounces, really small little baby. But I want to like, I want to throw him like a football or something, and that's weird, I get it, but I think I have cute aggression. I don't know what it is, like that movie where the thing's fluffy and the girl screaming it's so fluffy, like that's my whole life. I'm, I'm a weird dude that likes puppies and like people are like, I want a big dog. I'm like, I want a cuddly dog, you know? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, why is this guy my pastor? <laughs> you know, but man, love is meant to be expressed. Love is meant to have passion and fire and zeal. It's not meant to be like this little quiet thing. When I come home as a father, my greatest reward is my little ones running to me. And the day they stop running to me, I'm gonna yell at them to run at me. They don't kiss me on the mouth. They still, they do all kinds of gross things currently. I try to kiss them right before they lick. It's the, like, I, <laughs> It's a, weird, it's a weird season that we're in with my three-year-old, but um, 
Sometimes I think Emily and I, some of you with little kids, like there's things that he does and I'm like, I literally have no idea how to parent this. There's no, I have no concept of what we're supposed to do here. So thank you, Lord, for your help as parents. But, but listen, love, love rips away what keeps us from love. This is what the judgment of the Lord is. So I've asked the Lord to judge our house. I've asked God, what we're gonna talk today about is the purification of heart, but I promise you, it's not gonna be the purification message you grew up with. Maybe, hopefully, but I promise you, what religion has said is judgment. What religion has said is wrath. What religion has made purification to be, I promise you, is not it. I promise. And so he's rearranging, and he's not rearranging structure of our church. He's not rearranging the structure of this house He's rearranging the structure of our hearts because the place that we want to go as a church is we want to ascend the hill of the Lord and you cannot ascend the hill of the Lord unless you have clean hands and a pure heart. Now, what we've made that out to be in religion is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil still, just like Adam and Eve, and we're trying to decide, are we good or are we evil? Do we, dis- do we pick good things or do we pick evil things? And we're still stuck in the decision when Jesus came as the answer and says, you don't have to be, be between good and bad anymore. You can come now, there's a tree called life. Are you, are you with me? Are you guys okay? Don't be sad, it's okay. But there's a tree called life that is not about behavior modification, but actual life transformation, right? Where it doesn't just change my condition for a season because I learned what to say and I got religious lingo in my mouth, it changes the structure of my heart. And now listen, anytime you see heart in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, like trust in the Lord with all of your heart. If you look up that word in Hebrew or in Greek, they have have some differences in meaning, but the one common meaning is that the heart is the place of the mind. If you look it up in Hebrew, or in Greek, you'll find in the Strong's Concordance, you'll find mind in there. So how many of you know, like when it talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, it's not talking about like a red beating organ in my chest. My beating organ is not like thinking thoughts. No, no, the heart is the thing which controls every action, every decision. It's that which controls every single thing in my life. It's that which owns me. It's that which which possesses me. It's that, it's that hidden place that God says, if you don't purify your heart, if you don't, like Jesus starts his ministry with repent. He's not talking about a place of thinking. It's not just change the way you think. It's change your position of your heart. Change where the intentions of your heart, change the motives of your heart. So whenever you see the word heart, you have to understand that it does have to do with our thinking. It does have to change our intellect. I know that we talk a lot about like you've got your mind here and your heart here, but that's not actually biblical. Right? So people are like, you know, you can't receive, and I say this all the time, but I'm not talking about your mind. I'm talking about that 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 complex thing where we wanna be analytical, where being analytical doesn't align with a son of God in scripture that God says be childlike. It's the simple, don't lose the simplicity that's in Christ, right? But, 
We've separated the message of the mind and the heart when your mind, God has to change your mind because it is that thing that controls you, right? And so the Lord's been speaking these two words to me and I want you to write them down. He's making us in our hearts tender again and responsive, not just in our church. I don't normally do like big, I leave like the big prophecy stuff like for the world up to chip, but like, but I, I really feel this for the, the body of Christ as a whole, that he's, he's causing us to, to make a decision and that decision will purify our hearts and make us tender again and it'll make us responsive again, right? Because what I'm seeing happen and I'm seeing it attempt to creep into this house, it's what we talked about last week and, and we've had this thing to our leadership of do not worship based on how the people came in. Right, I love you guys, but if sometimes I worship based on your face, I would leave because I'm not supposed to behold your face. I'm supposed to behold his. So we do everything in church based on the people when church was never intended to be about people. And we have sayings of all kinds of stuff about people. We love people here and you don't see the name of Jesus on any slogan anymore. Think about any slogan that you know and tell me if his name is in it. But here, this, this house will be a dwelling place for the Lord. Is that gonna grow a mega church? Probably not, but I'm not trying to. I wanna grow people with big hearts. And we have to go from the question of, Lord, what do you think about my church to what do you think about our hearts? There's a purification of heart that's taking place and all of it's playing in. When the devil thinks he's one, he never has, and he never does. And so from coronavirus to the election to this weird year that it's been, to all of the craziness that I heard a joke say that an angel was assigned to release stuff in part, and he messed up and just released it all in 2020. <laughs> like one thing, it's a joke. One thing after another. But what if the Lord, through it all, is refining a remnant in fire? Amen. Right? Like in Revelation, when it says, listen, he's talking to Laod a, a complacent church of Laodicea, right? Kind of like Texas, kind of like America, like these churches that if, he, if, if, if Jesus walked through the front door, I bet you we wouldn't even know. Because if you just read statistics of what's happening in millennials and Generation Z and all of these people that are leaving the faith, you can look it up. I looked it up this week. It is devastating what's happening with our young people. And so I'm on this mission for the sake of my kids. I'm on, I'm on this mission for the sake of the youth that I believe there's gonna be a mighty move of God amongst our young people. We were with my uncle Tanner and I in Florida, and here's what he said. He said, God is about to move on the youth of America. I mean, there is gonna be a move within church. It's why I love seeing the kids come up here and worship. You know, kids, they've got no boundaries. They don't care about what you think. And there's something that God is doing in young people that I'm willing to fight for. And what we have is, is we have an opportunity as those that, I mean, I guess I, I'm still a millennial, but um, <laughs> if you're above a millennial, you have an opportunity to be a father for a move that's coming, to be a mother for a move that's coming. But I promise you, the young generation doesn't want 
church, which means that church has been not doing something right. And this isn't just for us. Like the Lord is releasing something in the atmosphere that's gonna shift this whole city. I promise you, it'll shift this nation. It'll shift America. When people come and I don't have to be concerned about am I offending them and then listen to the spirit of Jezebel coming back trying to say, that offends me, don't preach that. And then I get a little bit concerned of, did I go too hard today? And we, we do series and messages all day on the spirit of Jezebel. And I think sometimes the biggest spirit is the congregation. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> we, we, we structure everything around what they like. And we build church based on opinions of people rather than beholding his face. And Jesus, it says of Jesus that he was a rock of offense, I feel God. Like Paul would preach and there was riots. Everywhere I go, there's tea in green rooms. Like, and, and that's, and I love green rooms and tea and co- I love coffee. It's, it's amazing. But you know, like we've become so weak, putting all of our hope in an election of a king When I serve a king of kings, a lord of lords, you don't hear, listen, oh, this is so good. You don't hear the disciples and the apostles talking about Herod and all of these people and concerned and all all kinds. You don't hear it. You don't hear them talking about elections and, and we're having prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting and the Lord's like, come to me again, all you who are weary. Am I against praying for our nation? Of course not, but you are a citizen of heaven and the Lord is shifting and changing things within the church in our hearts. Right, And so I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to say that our, our line, every decision we make in the church, everything we do in our leadership, everything I do as a pastor will be based on this one thing. Is that a dwelling place for the Lord? Right? So, man, I can't even begin to tell you what I didn't realize coming into pastoring and the opinions of people. It's hot. It's cold. It's loud. It's too quiet. You need to stop thinking about the air and get lost in the atmosphere of the Lord. And maybe, just maybe, you'll forget if you're hot, if you're cold. I'm drenched in sweat every time. I don't feel like I'm hot until I'm done preaching. And everyone's like, it was freezing in there. And I said, man, what if we got covered with the fire of God? It's too far. It's, I mean, it's this person and that person, his name is Jesus. And so I will not build based on people, but based on him. And it's, and listen, that is the greatest love because if we can, as a family, learn how to steward him into a room and get him to stay in that room, every life that comes near in proximity to him, just in in proximity to people that recognize him because the Pharisees, they saw him, but they didn't receive him. So you can stand with the author all day and have no idea he was the author. You could, I mean, Pharisees had scriptures wrapped around their foreheads on the tassels of their robes, quoting scripture to the volume of it. And they don't even recognize him. It's possible for Jesus to be in a room and you be more consumed with how worship is sounding 
and miss Jesus being in the room. And that's why like, you'll see sporadic people have encounters and people are like, well, why is this? One of the questions that the way I'll just answer right now, I don't even think we got to it. One of the questions was, why do some people have encounters and, and some people don't have encounters? Because you're looking at the other person's encounter. Come on, think about it. Listen, it always takes a Martha to see a Mary. And it's not, and it's not Martha versus Mary, it's Mary before Martha. <laughs> Come on, this is, he's just speaking, I didn't plan any of it. <laughs> it's not like, Mary wasn't thinking about anything. She found the good part, but, but Martha is looking at Mary and she's, upset and jealous, probably because that's where she wanted to be. And she's having an encounter, has no idea what's happening on in the room because she can't stop beholding the face of Jesus at his feet. And Mary's like, look at Mary. I'm sorry, Martha is saying, look at Mary. I promise you, there's a love that is not just gonna like, it's not just gonna show up. It takes a tender, responsive heart that's been purified in God to be able to receive when God comes into a room, right? And so I'm, I'm like sometimes in the middle of this, this battle as a pastor where I don't even wanna turn around sometimes. Like, these people are gonna be sitting down staring at me again. Lord, I thank you that you're everything. And every time I do, the room shifts. If God, what would it be like if God found 10 he said, if I could find 10 in the city, <laughs> what could he do with 150? Like that are actually responsive to the Lord. Amen. I want you guys to turn to Matthew 25. And make sure you write down tender and responsive. Listen, this is where it all this is where it all begins. I've been stuck in this. And we're gonna talk about the difference between oil and light, okay? So this is verse one, just follow along. I'm in the ESV, so just don't read ahead. This is Matthew 25, verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps. Can I get a little bit more light in the room? Sorry, I can't see a thing. Um, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. So there was the lamp and then there was an oil reserve. A lamp and an oil reserve. And he says, the foolish are those that are bright without oil reserves. But the wise are those who are bright with oil reserves. Doesn't get any more simple than that. And as the bridegroom was delayed, you see, it's always in the delay that temptation comes to go, God, what about this? Shouldn't, it, shouldn't I be further along in my life? Shouldn't we be seeing more? But it's in the delay that God tests our hearts. You see, we have an opportunity right now in this hour, not only as resonation, but as the body of Christ, and I'm telling you, the delay is mercy. The delay is grace. The delay is God's eyes searching to and fro the whole earth, finding whose hearts are loyal to him. 
let the delay happen. But when he's delayed, they all became drowsy and slept, kind of like church today. Everyone's sleepy. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Now listen, I can't give you the anointing. I, I think we have this idea that impartation is I'm gonna lay hands on you and your meter is gonna get filled up like a video game when you're low on health. And someone comes and fills you up and to be healthy again. There is something required in secret that a reserve is collected, right? Impartation is very real. We believe in it. My, my family believes in impartation. Just watch a Benny Hinn video. I'm all about impartation, people flying everywhere. But if something isn't cultivated in private, you might've settled for a one-time touch and never found the touch. You might've settled for a one-time encounter when there is a lifetime of encounter available living in God, right? I've seen people my whole life answer altar calls and they fall down every week and they still have issues. Am I for that? Man, we go, obviously, it's like an every week thing where God touches people. But if you're coming up and God's touching you and you don't go back and a, and a public encounter doesn't become a private kiss, it can't sustain you. It never will sustain you. And so, so he's saying, he says to them, they say, give me some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for, for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Now, remember, we were just talking about this, the church of Laodicea. He comes to them and he says, buy gold from me. I'm counseling you to buy gold from me. You, Laodicea was known for its banking, for its, I learned this from Joey, for its banking, its, its garments, its eye ointments. And he literally comes and deals in context and deals right with them and says, listen, you've got your, you've got your banks, but you're broke. Just read it. You, in Revelation 3, you've got your banks, but you're broke. You've, you've got your garments, but really you're naked. You've got all your ointments that you could ever need, but really you can't see. So I'm counseling you, buy gold from me, refined by fire. Buy garments from me and become pure and holy again. Buy eye ointment from me and put it on your eyes that you might see again. This is what God is saying to us. And so they, they didn't purchase it in time. Like, how many of you know Jesus, if, if he created all things through him, for him, and onto him, and all things consist in him, then he created time. Like, think about that. He created time. It's what the scriptures talk about, that he gave us the boundaries that we are to live in on the earth. If God gave me time and he says, redeem the time. Come on, he said, it was morning and it was night. He created it then what are we doing with our time? And there's a fine line between works and, and relationship, but what exactly are we giving our life, our attention, our response, our heart to? What exactly is going on in our heart? Listen, it's the foolish is those who have light without oil. Now listen, the foolish are those that prophesy with no hidden life. The foolish are those that can be amazing evangelists with a bright light with no oil reserves. 
I have seen this over and over and over again within the body. Someone who's amazing at words of knowledge, but I know their hidden life because the gifts are without repentance and he won't revoke it. He won't take it back from you, right? It's why you could say, Lord, look at all these things we've done in your name. You cast out devils in your name. We healed the sick in your name. And he can say, I don't know you. Who are you? See, that's the difference between someone who can have a light and you can say all day on the light of the world and you can pray for 10 people and think that that validates you throughout the day. But if there's no reserve of oil in your life, that only comes through intimacy and history with God. That only comes, see, someone, you know the people that have oil reserves. You can always tell because when they walk into rooms, rooms change. They're usually the ones working the least. They're usually the ones that are not trying to scream and shout and and make a scene. They're the ones that their anointing makes a scene. (laughs) Come on, it's, it's Matthew 15. I actually wanna read this. It's Matthew 15, which says this. Verse one, then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? This right here validates the way that I preach. So this this chapter is very exciting to me. Jesus responds and he says, for God commanded honor your father and mother and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites, exclamation point. Sometimes I feel like being like, you hypocrites, but that would be okay because Jesus said it. You hypocrites, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips? This is the light without the oil. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Listen, foolishness is to keep your life in God only to maintain your sphere of influence. Every pastor in the world has been tempted with this one thing. Keep your intimacy with God to maintain what you give the people. That's convicting. Life is not built on what you do for God, but who you are in God and to God. I want you to write these down. Life is not built on what you do for God, but who you are in God and to God. There's a man by the name of Corey Russell who says this, May my heart always be bigger than my influence. You okay? May my heart always be bigger than my influence. Listen, may our pursuit be this, that my intimacy is bigger than my ministry. I heard a story one time. My my uncle told me that, you know, he did a crusade, I wanna say in 2007 in India, And over the course of three days, 7.4 million people showed up. It's the biggest crusade in history to date. 7.4 million people in three days. The first night they got up and there was something like 4 million something up there 
or in this field. And, and he said, you could see people, the horizon was people. And here's what happened. He got on stage and the Lord spoke to him and said, you're standing in front of millions of people right now, but you haven't been with me today. Just the busyness of ministry, the busyness of I gotta do interviews and I've gotta do this stuff and there's a pull from the people and you think, well, if I don't keep doing this for the people, maybe they will stop coming and I think our greatest treasure sometimes is learning how to say no. Gosh, the power in sorry, God means too much to me. My time, my oil, the reserves mean too much for me that I love you, but I have to say no. Some of you need to hear this. Learn how to say no. And not just to say no to be mean, like to say no when it interferes with something that maybe would distract you. Like we are distracted with many good things. We're distracted with evangelism sometimes. We're distracted with prophecy. We're distracted with with healing and distracted with all kinds. Do we love all those things? Of course, but there's a more excellent way other than just pursuing gifts and it's called pursuing love. I promise this is gonna get like more loving as we continue here. Listen, he's dealing with the hearts of leaders in this hour. Those who've been entrusted to lead but haven't been purified in their heart so they have exchanged intimacy for anointing. And leaders are falling left and right, like major leaders. There was a leader this week, a major leader. I won't mention him, but a major leader that all Hollywood looks up to, and he got caught in adultery. Like, if that doesn't agitate your spirit, am I upset because someone was in sin? No, the only thing that'll get out of it, get him out of it, is the love of God, but There is something that agitates my spirit because, man, we are supposed to be so lost in God that the option of sin is no longer there. Listen, if oil was the focus, if union was the aim, it would be impossible, impossible to fall into sin. If love and union were the aim, it would be harder to sin than it is to live in righteousness. It would be harder. It would be, we would have to really work it to sin. Like going to, I say this all the time. I I don't go to a grocery store. I heard my dad say, I don't go to a grocery store and fight with my right arm to not steal a candy bar. But this is how we train people in religion, in the church. You're just a sinner. It's okay. You're not a sinner. You are a son of God, and the more you believe what God says about you, what you are in him and unto him, not for him, and that it's not your righteousness, but it is God's, all of a sudden, there's a nature that completely changes on the inside of you. And when you go to the grocery store, because you're no longer a thief, you don't think about stealing. You see, I believe we can unlearn things. I believe that 100%. There's actual studies of the mind where you can create different pathways in your mind. Like if you were a drug addict and you're no longer a drug addict, you unlearned a desire. If you were an alcoholic and you're no longer an alcoholic, your brain, something chemically in your brain changed according to the truth of spirit. It's so good. You've got to understand, he promises us, I will quicken your mortal bodies. First, he changes the position. 
See, you were on the outside, but now you're a son. And Jesus didn't come because you were just a wretched, horrible person. Revival is not you know, just filthy people answering an altar call. Revival is people seeing how precious they are. And when you come into the preciousness of who you are to God, it's in that that righteousness, purity dwells. And all of a sudden, you're not fighting with a dual nature anymore. Come on, it's this truth that'll set us free. Like, who are you to God that he would wrap himself in flesh? Who are you to God? What is man that he's so mindful of him? The son of man has, he's visited us. That the father thought we were worth it enough to send the only son that was left. And we're still at a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God's like, I came for life. But we've exchanged intimacy for anointing. And it's why there's sin. It's why there's trouble. It's why there's discouragement. It's why there's depression. Because the oil reserves aren't there. And the oil reserves are joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, full of intimacy, full of love. I, you can't take a smile off my face because I'm dancing with him. Like all I've been hearing God this whole week say like, I, I was bothered. G-Man was at my house. We're like dancing in front of the TV, declaring the Lord. And, and then this stuff happens and the Lord's like, you're in the chamber. And I'm like, I'm in the chamber. Who cares what's happening out there? I'm in the chamber. Like, I'm gonna dance because I'm in the chamber. I'm gonna rejoice because I'm in the chamber. If you're not rejoicing, it's because you left the chamber. If you're discouraged, you left the chamber. If you're in sin, you left the chamber. There's only one answer called union. Can I have keys? Joel 2 says this, rend your hearts and not your garment. Come on, the oil is under the hood. People can't see it. We're so focused in the church today on like the cover of the hood, but God wants to see what's underneath Rend your hearts and not your garments. Like rend the truest part of you, not only what people see. Man, you can come in here and you can dance and rejoice and scream and shout and, and lift your hands and you can put on a show and we'll, you can be spiritual. Listen, I know, I, I grew up in the presence of the Lord. This is my testimony, is being in his presence without the fear of the Lord. And you're in his presence without the fear of the Lord, you become numb to that presence. And so I was numb to the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. And, and, but listen, I could fabricate the anointing with the right songs. You can fabricate a sensation of the spirit by just doing it with a little bit more passion. We can use hype all day and it not be real stirring. And we can get people excited and we can fill stadiums and he can never be involved. And we can stand up in front of people and say, let's go after this thing and rip our garments open. But if your heart isn't ripped open, come on, I need us. I need our church to see this, that God wants to purify our hearts. God wants to purify our hearts. And when he does that, he's gonna remove your opinion. When he purifies your heart, he's gonna judge everything that's kept you from fully experiencing him. I'm asking him to judge me. You see, we don't like that word because we've been taught the judgment of God incorrectly. Hosea, go to Hosea 10 with me really quick. Go ahead, Pastor Rick. Hosea 10, I'm, I'm uh, gonna be done in just a minute. I miss my baby already, so I need to go see him.
find the book of Hosea. Here we go. All right. Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. If you can play a pad, please, Pastor Rick. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Listen, that word fallow in Hebrew means uncultivated. It means dormant, bare, empty, unplanted. Break up your fallow ground so that when God shows up, and you remember the, the parable of the, of the seed and the sower, some lands on good soil, some the stony ground, some the ground with thorns, some by the wayside. Anyone remember? When God comes in and he reigns, you can always tell who has secret oil with the Lord based on how they respond to him, based on the cry of Hosanna that rises out of their hearts when he comes marching into cities, based on, on how the tenderness of our heart has been caught up with his. Break up that bare, fallow ground that is dry, complacent, uncultivated. Put the plows of the judgment of God upon your soil of your heart and let him rip it up. Because we're wondering why we're not experiencing the, the presence of Jesus. We're wondering why we're, we're not seeing God move and we're not seeing the Holy Spirit do what we believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. Like there is this, this righteous frustration in my spirit as, as a pastor that's, that's rising up with me. If, if we can't figure out the pad, Jathan, can you please put one on? If, if we as a people are, are gonna go after the glory of the Lord, like anybody wanna see the glory of God, anyone want to have these meetings, these dangerous meetings again where people run there because they heard that God was there. Like the kinds of places, the Lord is beginning to put on my heart that once we move to Grapevine that there's probably gonna be weekly, maybe Friday night meetings or something like that where all we do is go after the presence of Jesus where all we do is encounter, where, where all we do is just wait on him and we learn as a church to abide with him. So we're gonna start practically putting those things in place, but you have an opportunity now that you, just you coming in here can change the environment. Because environment matters to the Lord. We've learned this. How we posture our hearts matters to the Lord. How we respond to worshiping him, it matters to the Lord. Break up your bare ground. Break up that ground that's become numb because you are fascinated with the world. Break up the ground that has made hearts that have not been purified so they have no idea when God is close because we're not used to proximity. Like anyone know what I'm talking about? You, you go into your closet or you just get into worship. Why do tears fill our eyes when we aren't sad? Why does my heart begin to tremble? Why, why do I get sometimes violently demanding? 
So we don't understand this anymore in church because, man, we just need happy-go-lucky pastors. God is looking and raising people that are willing to flip some tables to let the doves out of the cage. And it, and it may not be for everybody. You know, Deuteronomy 26 says, find the place that God's chosen for you. I, I believe that God actually doesn't call you to a location. Like we pick church today based on where we live. It's not about where you're called, but who you're called to. But when you find who you're called to, he says, strive to be of one mind and one heart. And just a little leaven messes up the whole lump. Like if you're convicted right now, you don't want to do this. The answer isn't to leave, the answer is to change. But if you're not called here, I could be holding you back from an experience that God wants you to have with a family. Like, are we mature enough as people that it isn't just like, let's get everyone in with good programs and ideas and, and let's just get them all fired up and let's make sure our kids are amazing. But the motive is, is that we have more people. It's not really for the kids, stop. Let's pile them in. Let's make it look like Disney World. Man, I heard of a, of a place, and, and, and I'm just being real with you. I heard of a place where you pass a threshold and the music and the smell changes to mess with our senses. When we are supposed to have senses that are trained in the righteousness of God. Like, what if we trained our kids not to go to church and have playtime, but we trained them to engage with the presence of Jesus until they're dripping with healing power, until they're walking around. Like, my son is a major conviction to me. I'm at the drive-through and he's screaming in the back, Baba, Baba, Jesus loves them. Three years old. I'm like, did you hear my son? He said, no. And then I got to say it. And now I gotta live it out because my three-year-old, his heart has never been hurt. <laughs> like if, if we could get this, his heart has never experienced pain. All he knows is the trust of a father and a mother. That's all he understands. He's incapable at three years old, incapable of setting up boundaries. He's incapable of it. And we preach series on it. God says, be childlike. What if, what, like, what if, just hear me out on this. What if it was possible that you couldn't get hurt? <laughs> what if it was possible that my heart was so much his that I fully gave you my trust when you didn't deserve it? You know what, like the number one thing, I, I think it might be because I'm young, but every opinion I get is about who you have in leadership, don't do this, don't do, and everyone's got an issue with everybody, and I think, do you think the disciples had it all figured out? Like Judas, a betrayer, Peter, a crazy guy, and they wanted to rain fire down on cities and he knew they were all were gonna left him. Do you think that they were in a position where they were actually qualified to be leaders? No, of course not. Like he picked people just so other people would go, why would you pick that one? A tax collector, he's a thief and they actually were thieves in that day. I love, I love how Jesus leads and God's raising up the same breeds of leader. We don't pick people because they're qualified. We pick people because their heart longs for him. And, and how can I help you if I don't let you close to me? Stay far away from me. You gotta earn my trust, brother. 
Let's see you do good things. Let's watch you perform. And once you've performed well enough, you'll be into my circle. Could you imagine if Jesus did that to us? We don't, we, there's people in here and God's dealing with your heart right now. And I would encourage you, let him judge your heart because the judgments of the Lord are anything that keeps you from fully experiencing his love. He doesn't judge you. He judges everything until it makes you you. Like, like uh, he rips away anything that doesn't belong to the true you. That's the judgment. That's the wrath of God. Like when your child is sick and you can't stand seeing your child sick. I've shared this story before where we had like a, almost a full 24 hours where anything that touched William's mouth, he threw it up and he was not looking good and it made me angry. I was pissed. Is that okay to say in church? I was pissed. You guys all say it, so. And I was in the car and, and I'm looking at Emily and I'm like, not my son. And I got angry and I started screaming in the car. And I thought, man, if I could crawl up in his little body and rip it out, I would. And it was like, that's, see, that's the wrath of God. And we prayed and I banged on the steering wheel and he never threw up again. The wrath of God rips away anything that keeps you from fully being his. Anything that keeps you from love's kind. But some of you haven't talked to family members. God just spoke this to me because you've been offended. Some of you have people in your life that hurts you and you think that the right thing to do is stay away from them. And you have, uh-oh, yeah, that's right. That's so funny. I love the kids. Like when no one else agrees, they do. I don't even know what I'm agreeing about, but yeah. I can get my son excited about anything, anything. It's a stick. And he's like, no, I want a car. I'm like, but it's a stick. And then next thing you know, he's like, yes, a stick. <laughs> childlike, childlike. You can't enter the kingdom unless you're like a child. But listen, what God's saying today is maybe what that one needs is to get close to you so they can get in proximity to him because he doesn't, listen, he doesn't come any other way. He always, always uses people. And then we preach messages to set up boundaries between us and people because we've given our heart more to people and we've created doctrine out of hurt, out of pain. Listen, I go everywhere and there's no, like, I love talking about my children. I've learned more about God when I've had kids more than anything in my entire life because he says anything he wants to anybody, talks to everybody, he goes in the store, what are you getting? And he tells them what I got and he shows them the basket and it forces me to have conversation with people that I'm not interested in having a conversation with. No offense, sorry to all the evangelists in the room. I just wanna get my groceries sometimes and leave. And so, you know, he's, he's, but there's nothing in him that's been trained where this is not safe. Like we train and we teach people based on performance and, and we wonder why, like we've got issues. <laughs> Listen, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, and then I'm done. It says this, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanliness and all of your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart. Here's what the new heart is. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone, the unresponsive heart. Stone can't respond. And I will give you a heart of flesh, what does that mean? I'm gonna give you a vulnerable heart again. 
I think it's like one of the main things we lose in church is we build up these strong hearts and we lose vulnerability with people because people have affected our hearts and God doesn't have our hearts, but it's in their hands. He's making us tender and responsive to him again, which means that I'm not gonna respond based on you. I'm gonna respond based on him. This is ministry to the Lord and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I want you to stand with me as I read this over you. So everything I've been talking about is basically saying, get your heart right before the Lord. But let me tell you the one, let me tell you about the one that you're giving your heart to. Like some of you, and, and, and man, it's so, I hear it so clear. Some of you, because of what people have done to you, you don't trust God the way that you should. And maybe it was a leader in your life. Maybe it was, maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was an aunt. And, and maybe those people loved Jesus, but because they didn't have oil reserves, they, maybe they fell. Because they didn't understand union, maybe they stepped away. And maybe they stepped into sin. And maybe you've been mad at God and you've been offended at the church, man. The church hurt is wild. Church hurt comes when it's about church rather than God. Man, if we have the ability to be hurt by people, we don't know him. We're like, it's okay to be hurt. No, it's, it's not okay. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind and have a heart that's pliable, that no matter what happens to you, you just can't get the smile off my face. We have to become vulnerable before God again in this secret place, not just repeating prayers that seem like the religious thing to say, but go before God and say, Lord, there's something not right in my heart. Like I've had, I'll be super vulnerable with you. I sometimes come to church and when I'm done with church, based on sometimes what I hear from the people, I'm like, Lord, do something in my heart. Get my attention off of them and back onto you, the constant opinions. Thinking that maybe it'll help him. I'm like, Lord, why? Like, why am I doing this? And sometimes I think, oh, it's to raise up a generation. It's not, it's for him. I used to preach, let's change the world. Now I preach, let's run to the chamber. It's the only thing that'll change the world. Our goal is not to get to people. Our goal is to get to Jesus and drip with Jesus until it gets on all people. Some people think that the last thing he said was go into all nations. Of course he said that, but you know the last thing he said, he said, go and wait for me. So we've got camps today. We got the Marys, we got the Marthas, we've got you know, you got the churches that are full of prophets and then one church is full of an evangelist. Like, what if God raised up a five-fold church that was actually for him? This is the one, listen, God is, is saying, trust me again. I want you to close your eyes. Some of you have lost trust with the Lord and you have forgotten how incredible loving he is that he's saying, give me your heart again trust me with it. Some of you upset at the Lord about an election, picking a king when there is a king that's seated at the right hand of the throne. Above all else, guard your heart for 
out of it flow the springs of life. Your heart is the wellspring of life. Listen, it's saying guard the way you think, guard the way that you act, guard what you, what you, your motivation is. This is where it all starts. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. Listen, trust requires vulnerability. Trust implies that you don't know the outcome of something. Many have lost their trust in God that's for them. And it's made their worship a generated song rather than a bridal response to a bridegroom that came in the chamber. Here's why we don't trust him. Listen, religion taught us a way of thinking that makes God something that he's not, that makes God something other than good. Religion taught us behavior modification, be good or else, but Jesus taught us there is only one who is good. And he doesn't just do good things. His nature can't be anything other than good. So when religion taught us about a tyrant God, Jesus showed us a loving father that thought you were precious enough to sacrifice the only son left. And this wrong thinking has created hearts that fully don't trust him because we think that one day he's gonna come and read me all my wrongs. So we've misplaced our trust in things like elections. And we wonder why our hearts are sick because hope deferred makes your heart sick. It's because your hope is in the wrong thing. This is the one that we love and why we trust him. And today, listen, he wants to rewire you to live according to that love. I was just reading Hosea 10. This is what 11 says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Just receive this, close your eyes, and then I'm done. Out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. That sound familiar. The more that he called them, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet I, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke of their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. And then jumping to verse seven, my people are bent on turning from me. And though they call out to the most high, he shall not rise. He shall, he shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? He says, like, listen to what he's saying to you. Even though you've walked away, and your heart is stone cold, I can't give you up. My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. This is Jesus. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in the midst, and I will not come with wrath.
God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. Jesus came and married a bride that was a prostitute. Come on, see his love. He tells Hosea, like imagine the father telling the son before the son comes, I need you to go marry that prostitute. It's walked away from me. And the prostitute doesn't know anything else other than being a prostitute. And here's what he does when she continues to be a prostitute. She went after her lovers and forgot about me, declares the Lord. Therefore, here's his response. Oh my. See, this is righteousness. This is where it's found. This is God's judgment. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. And I will bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make a valley of acre a door of hope. Come on, hope is our currency in this hour. And there shall be answer, and there she shall answer as in the days of her youth. Jumping to verse 16, and in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. No longer will you call me my Baal, for I will remove the names. He will remove the names of Baal out of your mouth, and they shall remember, they shall be remembered no more. Listen, his tenderness, his alluring by love causes her to respond to him like she did when she was a child. So lift your hands. Lord is teaching us how to respond correctly to him again tender and responsive. That says, Lord, when you walk in, may my heart leap, may my feet dance. I'm saying for me, God, examine me. Make me vulnerable with you and others again until I actually believe I can put boundaries down and never be hurt again. Come on, the psalmist said, search me and know me. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down. He's acquainted with our ways, but we're not with his. Even before a word is in my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Like, God, why me? You know what I've done. But your love is so high, I can't contain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And I say, surely darkness shall cover me in the light, but light shall be all around me. Listen, how beautiful. You saw my, you saw my unformed substance in your book. It was written, every one of them, the days fashioned for me. How precious to me are your thoughts. Let's receive it. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd be more than the sand. I awake and oh my gosh, I'm still with you. 
Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. With every eye closed, if you would say, God, judge my heart, just lift your hands. Listen, the judgments of God, judgments of God, rip away anything that keeps us from fully knowing his love. Like a father full of wrath, because something has taken his kid that doesn't belong to his kid. Lord, judge this church in your righteousness. Judge our hearts in your righteousness. Remove anything, God, that keeps us ascending the hill and know how your love will be that which allures us up and up and higher and higher until we ultimately walk into that chamber Guys, listen, life is not a battlefield. Christianity is not a battlefield. It's a chamber. Stop fighting devils. Find Jesus, this one who says, I will make a table for you. God, may they leave today dancing. May they have a desire to not turn the news on, but behold the beauty of your face like the psalmist said. There's one thing I seek. Listen, in our church, there's one thing we seek. One thing we desire that we may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life to behold the beauty of his face. Judge our hearts, purify us, cleanse us, mark us. Take these hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh. I challenge you, find those family members, find those friends, become tender, become responsive again to the Lord, that subtle voice that says, you know what you should do. I thank you, God, that you're taking us from conviction to just being convinced of how you love us. Oh, how you love us. May it cause us to live in a purity that we never thought was possible. There's no one no one, no love, no greater love I found besides you. The reward is beholding his face. Not what you do for the Lord, but just being in the Lord. That's the reward. May we see the reward. May we shine bright with your love because you have judged us until everything is ripped away. We're not afraid because I know how good you are. That if I, try, if I looked at every side of you like the creatures staring at you that are full of eyes, crying, holy, 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 the God who was, who is, and who is to come, this eternal God, they've never found a bad side of you. You are good all the way around. You are nothing but love. You are love plus nothing. And I thank you, God, that you're the safest king you're the safest leader that says, come to me. I will not condemn you. For he did not come to condemn the world, but that through him, the world might be saved. If you're in sin, run to him. Be like Peter who denied him and jumped in the water when he saw him from afar off. But it took a man like John who knew the proximity of Jesus to say it's him. Make us God people that when others are hurting, oh, please hear this. 
that when others are in pain, when others are full of guilt, shame, and condemnation, that we are used to the chest and we tell them where he is and they run to him. We love you, we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you enjoyed that message. If you'd like more information on what we're up to or how to connect with us and even to see our upcoming events, you can visit us at risennation.org. We bless you. Grace and peace to you today.